The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. It's times like this when, you know, we get a little wistful and remember the days of Google Hangouts and how far less produced our show was. No. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Ryder Cat, and you can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at NewsNews Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And uh, the sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on, on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? It's been a long week, but we are here. Co-hosting from the Borough of Kings. And you can find this here podcast on the Coast of the Podcast Network at CSPN.us. Do it today. And you can also find this this ugh, podcast on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to click like, subscribe, and give us all the great five star reviews. Indeed. Uh, and you can also find us uh, recording every Thursday night, 9 30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time normally on the youtube channel of twitch of scheme of the click nation that's youtube.com slash the click nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles again please click like and subscribe and make sure to hit the notification button so that you know when we are live broadcasting happy black history month first of all um to get to get a couple of things out of the way uh, and actually, I should have said that after the next thing I was going to say, but nevertheless, um, welcome to the shortest month of the year with the, some of the biggest history and also where they dump a lot of um, books for the occasion that will some of which that might get lost in the shuffle um, because of that. But we will probably get to that as this month rolls on. Um. And also, there was something I wanted to mention, I think, last week that I don't think we did. In fact, the last couple of weeks uh, the, uh, um, before we get started, uh, um, hearts, and pray- hearts and prayers and all that kind of stuff doesn't really do anything. But nevertheless, um, condolences to the family of uh, Tyree Nichols and all of those who had been affected by the uh, ballroom shooting uh, in um in California a couple of weeks back. It's uh it's continues to be a hard moment and 
you know, things continue to be crazy, you know, and, um, you know, not to go into all the, some of the other talk that's been going around, you know, fuck the cops, fuck bad cops specifically, no matter what color they are. Um, and, you know, just, just because the, the, the people who were the ones on the beat and were black doesn't mean to me any less some bullshit cops than any other time anything has happened. So there is that. Um, and no tax, uh, unfortunately, the, the settlement is coming from taxpayers' pockets and not uh, the policeman, the police department's bu- bu- budget, which is also a fucked up thing. So, but it is, I guess this is the world we live in. But um, that being said, and I don't know if, uh, I don't think Agent 70 had anything to add on that unless you do. Nah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's all fucked up now. Basically, like I said. But just to get that out of the way before we get into the the actualities of this here podcast, we are going to get into a very brief uh, and non-spoiler recap or our impressions of the Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 6. I know Agent 70 has not seen it yet, so I won't spoil too much of uh, for him either. So all I will say is that um, it was a pretty decent, good episode. There is um, the Bad Batch kind of get in, uh, kind of go from one situation to another, and there is a callback from mid to later uh, Clone Wars that happens to uh, become a part of the plot. Um, yeah, that's all I'll, I'll say from that. But it was a good episode, I thought. You know, it was a uh, kind of brought some things, uh, kind of brought some things home for a, a character or two. I guess you you can say it's not there. There isn't a, a a movie theme because the last couple of episodes have been one has been Fast and Furious. I last mean, week's was yeah, Indiana you, Jones and the Last Crusade. You can, it's not a big spoiler if you say what the movie theme would be. I mean, you could put it either, hmm, I mean, realistically, you could put it um, Return of the Jedi. You could put it with, like, an Avatar. You could... uh, You you lost me with Avatar. Are you talking about the blue people, or are you talking about the arrowhead people? (laughs) The blue people, not the the better of the two, but... um, uh, but then I guess, yeah, any, yeah, without going too farther, too much farther into it, you can, you can kind of say there's elements of okay. those movies. I'm pretty sure once you see it, you will, you will put out a more, I don't want to say too much more because I don't want, because there is a, probably a movie or something I could directly say that. Very oh, it, I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Cause like, even what I was saying, what I'm saying is like, okay, you can kind of see where I'm saying that, but it's not really, mm-hmm. that, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So, like that, that's just to kind of keep the, keep you from from having any too many uh, notions going into it. But I think you'll like it, though. All right, I will try to watch it tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'll start my day tomorrow with the Bad Batch or two. Indeed. And with that, uh, we are going to go into the books of the week, starting off with 
uh, Star Trek number four. Yes, yeah, surprise, 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 folks. We are starting off with the Star Trek book published by ITW. Issue number four is written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing with art by Ramon Rosanas and Oleg Chudakov. Colors by Lee Luffridge and letters by Clayton Cowles. So I will, of course, hit this with broad strokes while Rydicad goes a little bit deeper into the story and the lore because we had we initially had a conversation about this book and you know when we were figuring out what to start our reviews with, we settled on this because it's not that we have differing opinions, but we approach this book from different vantage points. From di- we, you know, we have different approaches to it because of our varying levels, our differing levels of Star Trek knowledge and fandom so i happen to be a much more casual fan of star trek i am knowledgeable but not a trekker or trekkie whichever one is supposed to be correct nowadays i know that it has kind of gone back and forth i'm familiar with the shows especially next generation and deep space nine this show takes characters from those two shows plus the original series plus Voyager and introduces new characters into the mix and takes together several aspects of stories from across the Star Trek histories and uh, Lansing and Kelly or Kelly and Lansing have woven these things together, different aspects of them together to get to now the fourth issue where you're starting to see some of the threads that were woven into the story through the first three issues kind of coming together and we're dealing with Ben Sisko's purported alleged godhood and how that plays into the greater story here, which as I said, pulls in aspects of other kind of godlike beings. We've seen, you know, uh, uh, which one called the crystalline entity people, uh, not people, but entities, and we've seen, you know, Q people and and whatnot. And all that stuff is a little taxing for me to try to remember how it all fits together. I enjoy the characters. I enjoy their the how, you know, the interplay between the characters. I enjoy how they bounce off each other. I actually enjoy the new characters that they've introduced here because I really feel like their characterizations are pretty strong. I think the greater story and how Cisco is learning to deal with this particular how is is at least the the supposed to be the 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 central figure in the story at least so far. I think that part I'm getting a little lost on, but I'm enjoying the character work overall. So ultimately, Ultimately, I'm okay with the book so far. It's just that it's losing me just a touch because of my lack of or at least lesser knowledge of Star Trek lore than Roddy Cat. And you'll and I'll, I'll hand it off to him to talk about how much he's enjoying it because of how steeped he is in some of the aspects of the story that uh, Kelly and Lensing are drawing upon. Take it away. Well, first off, I think Agent 70, while I appreciate it, and it's probably giving my quote-unquote knowledge of Star Trek just a little bit more than what it is. Like, don't get me wrong, I have watched a good bit of Star Trek. But, like, there's a lot of lore and stuff that I still don't, uh, that I still don't. Like, I'm not going to be able to name off just everything and every species and all that other jazz. Even with this book, which is what I'm getting to, is while everything Agent 70 kind of said is, is true, 
in the blending of the team and everything, but this is actually more than not a next generation story in a sense. And I say that because of the plot and not necessarily because of the makeup of the team. Like, yeah, they definitely have blended different generations of, um, of Star Trek in, in this book for reasons, but, uh, but yeah, but, and have like, you know, Q kind of spans of a couple of different Star Trek series and, you know, um, Worf has been in a couple and, you know, so on and so are for, but the, the underlying plot, uh, in a way comes largely from, D, uh, from, uh, from, 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 from DNG because the, it has something to do with a, um, a race that probably popped up. Well, actually not when I looked it up, the, uh, the, the race that they were kind of, kind of talking about and going forth is, is actually a first season, uh, TNG poll. So they basically just kind of was, was let's pull all this stuff together, but let's kind of wrap it around this and a later TNG stuff with the whole Klingon part of about it. Not to go too far into the, uh, you know, with what happens in this issue. Right. There's a Tasha. But, I was about to say, hold, hold that thought. There's a Tasha Yar reference. And that clued me in that this was an early pull. Exactly. And that tells you everything because as folks may or may not know, Tasha Yar was only a season one uh, um uh, th- uh, uh, character so uh, of TNG, so that kind of tells you a l- little bit about that part. That being said, I did actually enjoy this because, as AJ Seventy said, there is a lot of Star Trek, or and I said before the show, like there is a lot of Star Trek to this in the techno babble and you know how they're handling things. The whole, you know, Cisco kind of adjusting to this group and them uh, to to him is a thing that I kind of wish I could have seen live action, but we know that's never going to happen. Um, or whether they would have done some sort of crossover, you know, some actual crossover. Like, yes, there have been times where there's been, hey, here's a Star Trek character or two that'll come over to, to do an episode, you know, uh, in another show, but they never really had a crossover. And this is not necessarily a crossover either. This is like, hey, just going to put in a bunch of people in a book in that universe. Uh, together, which is not a bad thing, mind you, but it's it's still not the crossover that I am thinking about, you know, between like shows or whatnot, like you do with Law and Order or something. But there was also never uh, many shows on that were together. Like the closest we got, like, like I was telling Age of Seventy earlier, TNG and DS9 were kind of together. Were like for like two seasons. Voyager came way later at at the tail end of uh, DS9 and didn't end, you know, until after that show was gone. So there was no way for that to happen. Now, granted, you know, still could kind of, there's still could a way to have some people do some things that another, but, you know, it, it never quite happened like I was, like I kind of wanted it to. That being said, to kind of wrap up this, um, to, to wrap up the uh, talk of, of this book, um, there it's it's still considered to be interesting. You can tell that Lansing and Kelly, uh, uh, yeah, Lansing and, and Kelly are are nerds, definitely Trek Trek fans, and that do because of the fact that they're pulling in a lot of stuff from this and never, and that's kind of the thing that you want. You some folks would want from this. I was about to say it's almost like what you need. 
because well, exactly at the end of yeah. the day, this is a, 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 a forgive the forgive the uh, the, the semi pun, but a universe spanning story. So mm-hmm. ultimately, you kind of need that really deep. And we've said this before when we talk about this series so far is that you need that really deep knowledge of Star Trek lore to to piece together something that is worthy of you know having all of these luminary Star Trek characters for the most part luminaries uh to come together and work together. Yeah, but I think at the same time we will probably differ on this one. I don't yeah, they definitely made this book for for the folks that are already there. But I think you can still kind of read this if you don't like. Oh. I guess you you're proving the opposite of that. But well, um, no, I mean the thing is, no, but 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 it cuts both ways because right. what they're doing is that they're introducing new characters for the people who don't necessarily understand or recall like which episodes or what seasons like these particular aspects of the story come from but the newer characters who are kind of discovering it at the same time that that people like I am uh you know reading it from their point of view and watching them reading about them figuring things out that's the that's the part that keeps you that keeps you engaged no pun intended again but <laughs> ultimately you know, it's it's a there's definitely like a give and take when it comes to that. And as I said, it cuts both ways that not that lore knowledge is great. But if you need too much of it, it cuts against being able to enjoy the story if you don't have it. So ultimately, need it, but yes, right. right. So ultimately, that's that that's the that's the, the 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 balancing act that is going to be very hard when it comes to Star Trek, you know. Uh, something like this that really does involve uh, a lot more of the the knowledge, the lore knowledge, because of you know how far reaching and 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 how deep some of the pulls are. Yeah. Um, that being said, this is a curiosity, real quick, and then we can kind of push on from there. That um, like obviously it's Star Trek story and it's about a modern Star Trek story, and one thing you quote unquote would want to have is a Vulcan. We have that here. The now and that is the one of the new characters that is uh that is in the book. Not necessarily front and center, but I play is a good part. Uh and you also have an Andorian, which is probably more TOS, which is I guess why that the, they pulled they they made a new character for that. Um even though Andorians are still around, but still um you know, so you kind of definitely trying to mix all of that together to to do a thing, but you know, it was curious that the, the that they went that far with it, you know? Because they already had Scotty for a TOS type stuff, if you really want to, you know, put it that far. But they made this other new character for, for whatever reason, just kind of kind of keep it on the line. That being said, like I said, if you're a star, if you if you like Star Trek, you will probably enjoy this. So we're going to push on to the next book, which um, Agent Seventy mentioned while we were <laughs> while we we're trying to hash this out, uh, hash out this OBS issue. Um, and that is Dark Web Finale number one, I assume. Right. I technically you're supposed to read Venom number 16 ahead of it. So I will just jump okay. in with that and just give you the credits and just let you know that it's not worth reading. I'm kidding. Uh, but not <laughs> by much. It's written by Al Ewing with pencils by Brian Hitch. Inks are by Brian Hitch and Andrew Curry. Colors by Alex Sinclair and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So. 
this is the penultimate chapter of this dark web crossover and uh uh venom this character that eddie brock has now morphed into called bedlam and like a junior venom person you know they've redone the venom character under the uh under the watch of um Al Ewing and you know this is coming right out of King and Black and and a lot of that stuff and you know they're still developing the that particular corner of the Spideyverse slash Venomverse because we know that's that's a thing that's about to come so um, ultimately it's all a matter of your tolerance for this group of characters if you care about Eddie Brock and the developments that his he and his family have undergone since. It, the character's recent renaissance in the wake of the movie and in the pages of the comics, then this is probably interesting for you. Unfortunately for myself, I don't give a damn. So it's just a matter of, it's a formality for me to just read it, figure out what's going on with the character and see how uh, it affects anything to do with the dark web. Unfortunately, I think the highlight of this issue has to do with Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel takes a character and literally flings him across New York City to land in the Hudson River. And it's just a couple of panels. It's not a gigantic splash page, but it's well done. It's got comedic effect, and I enjoyed that. That was probably the highlight for me of this issue. So, that being said, if you really want that completest experience for Dark Web, God help you, please read Venom number 16. Next up is Dark Web finale number one. It's written by Zeb Wells with art by Adam Kubert and Francesco Monterino and Scott Hanna with colors by Frank Martin and Guru EFX and letters by our favorite lettering Paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. So Roddy Cat will jump in on this with his take. I will say that this book uh, and this crossover, you know, limited series as a whole has been a chore for me to read. Uh, I understand that there are several developments here that will play some role going forward in the pages of the X-Books. It's interesting that they are working the uh, the Krakoa line of thinking into the interdimensional space. By having not just a space for limbo to remain in New York City in you know on, on on Earth itself, but to literally create an outpost, and that is you know along the lines of you know the the, the Krakoan lines of thinking, you know, which obviously is an adaptation or an extension of like just regular old uh, diplomacy. And having, you know, uh, embassies and or consulates, right? This, I thought, took it way too far. <laughs> and I, I objected when I read it. I, I Not that I yelled out objection, but I was just kind of – I groaned at the end of it. I was like, oh, 
So, and I think Roddy Cat, uh, I'm, I'm going to hand it to Roddy Cat. Uh, you know, on that note, I apologize, but that's where I ended. That that that's how I felt when I ended reading my ended uh, when I finished reading the book. So, just to go from back to front, I can I. I guess I slightly under, I understand um, uh, H-70's objections, but because as him being a, a native New York Yorker, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that pl- kind of plays at least some small part of this or some big part of this. Uh, if you're watching the video version, I think, you know, you, if, if that has not become clear by his attire. But also, I kind of felt a similar way near the end of this book. I'm like, so the answer to this thing is to kind of give them an embassy. Right. Which, and then as I thought about it, I was like, wait, so did they do the same thing on Krakoa? <laughs> Which I don't think so. Right. So, 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 so Limbo's got an embassy on uh, New York, spoiler alert. But, and now, but, which some would argue makes some sense. But also at the same time, like, okay, but they, they don't have anything like that on Krakoa, I don't think, unless that's going to be established someplace else. And like, seems that seems a little one sided on this. Um, given things. That being said, I enjoyed parts of this book. I think Age of Seven and I kind of talked about this last night, even though we didn't record. Um, everything leading up to the fight was good. Everything probably after the fight is, is where it starts to kind of to lose me and go down. And that is up and including that was, which is pretty much the end of the book and the the establishment that uh, that we end up finding out about. Uh, near the end of this, like uh, that whole the whole thing with Spidey and, and Madeline kind of going squaring up on each other was pretty good, you know. Uh, the the fight itself was actually pretty good. That was probably, if I was going to say anything about Dark Web, probably one of the better moments of the whole thing. Um, and I guess now that you said that about Venom, the whole that one panel that uh, Ms. Marvel kind of comes in on, and that explains, I guess, the whole Bedlam thing, because I was like, I did not know where that Bedlam thing right. came in from, which, you know, I wasn't, because I'm not reading Venom. And I'm, so that makes some sense. Um, and I want to say, I could have sworn that Ms. Marvel tossing to somebody in the, uh, to the river thing might have happened also in her, in her book, but I'm good, because I feel like I've seen that, and I didn't read Venom, but I don't know. So I feel like it might have had been another book. Um, that being said, yeah, I could have gone without Dark Web as a whole. Yeah, pretty much. We, we kind of knew going into it, like it didn't feel like it was going to be doing any establishing anything uh, universal wide. Although a you know Limbo having a foothold in 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 New York might be considered a thing right that's like a that's like you know that could allegedly be like a lasting effect right another lasting effect is how they have transformed even though the transformation was not permanent uh how they have transformed ben riley right they've turned him you know into a different you know he's not just a clone it's a clone that's gone in a vastly different direction and his girlfriend janine has absolutely gone in a vastly different direction so ultimately i guess those are the lasting effects coming out of this um out of this crossover you know they you know because of the 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 kind of the relatively unique nature of this crossover because it's between the between the spider-man corner and the x-men corner of the marvel universe that's not something we re- we see regularly. It's just not. True. 
unless it's like some, like, you know, some team up, which, and yeah, I guess the last time we saw, well, no, that was all in here. So yeah, it's definitely been a while since we've seen Spidey and, and the X corner kind of really team up. At least from what I can think, but we read a lot of books, so I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. somebody would be like, no, nah, that happened, you know, <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago or last year sometimes. Or so, but if it did, then still kind of recent enough to where it's been a while. Right. That being said, though, we can kind of push on uh, to wait. Let me see. Maybe one more book before we uh, do the wrap it. Sure. Um, Aven- or I'll let you be. Avengers or Moon Knight? Uh, we can do either one, you know, because they're, you know, like, I believe it or not, I actually rather enjoyed Avengers because it was probably the, 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 the cleanest written Jason Aaron Avengers book we've gotten in a while because we're not dealing with like a million characters talking at once because it's focused on a Loki for the most part. All right. Avengers 65 it is. So Avengers number 65 is written by Jason Aaron with art by Javier Garon, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. So what I just said still stands, that uh, this issue is probably the cleanest and most easily read of the recent run on Avengers by Jason Aaron, simply because it focuses on the uh, the story of... I don't want to spoil everything. I do not want to spoil everything, but it focuses on the story of one particular Loki. And it's not a big stretch. It's not really a spoiler to talk about that. Talk about the fact it's a fact. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's established that Loki is behind the incarnation, the actual creation of the Avengers not just in the MCU folks, but also in the pages of the original Avengers comic. So knowing that having that as a, as a, as a story point and as a way to, uh, you know, as, as a, as a, as a focal point or an access point for the story to revolve around, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And I had called, uh, you know, the, the, this character had been a mystery for a little while, but I knew who it was, you know, like you didn't have to think too hard to figure out who it was. So I'm kind of curious to see where this goes from here. I know this goes for another, what, two months. It's only February. It's supposed to go through April, I think. Right. I believe that's the case. Right. So we still have a long way to go when it comes to this, when it comes to this Avengers assemble story, but I actually enjoyed this issue. Yeah, I can, I can also agree with that. Um, it was definitely a big info dump of an issue uh, for the most part, which I, like I said, I'm not, that's, that is not a complaint. I'm just saying that it is, a, it is a thing. So, and I know there are people who were like, where's all the action, which there are some, there is some action in this book, but for by and large, this is mostly uh, the info dump on Avengers prime. Right. You know, there is, as I said in my notes, uh, um, surprise Avengers prime is revealed and he has an MCU project uh, coming up. Which all is true. <laughs> I, I need to start getting away from doing that, but it, let's face it: we are in a world where things like that happen more, are happening more often than not. Um, there was also a nice little Judy Bloom uh, um, um, reference in there, which I was like, "Huh, I don't read Judy Bloom, but I recognized it." So good on Jerry Sinaron if that was intentional uh, for for putting that in there. 
but yeah, it's leading up to the fact that, hey, you know, Aaron is, uh, you know, is basically going to try to, to uh, end this book with a bang mm-hmm. uh, off the giants of uh, shoulders like Hickman's run of uh, of um, Avengers. So we got Avengers upon Avengers upon Avengers upon Multiverse upon Avengers um, and the like. Also, hence, you could also kind of tie into the MCU, but, you know, the, to, a, to a certain degree. But yeah, enjoyed it. Enjoyed the issue. Now that I'm also now that I'm caught up on it, I can safely say, you know, I'm like, okay, some of that was was uh, some good reading. Some of it that was unnecessary. Right. You see my point, right? Like now that you're caught up, right? You see how this is, you know, like what I was saying right at the top of the uh, uh, of the discussion on this issue is that this was actually the easier, kind of more direct read of many of the several uh, of the recent issues. Yes. So. And I guess before we even get to the end of, you know, whatever the story is, definitely somebody that's going to be easier to read and trade. You're still yeah. probably going to be like, OK, we're, we're just taking a little long to get through. But all right. So are we going rapid? Yeah, let's oh. do that before this thing shits to bed again. All right. I'm going to spin this up. Rapid fire review time, folks. Mm-mm-mm. I ain't got time to bleed. All right. First up is Captain America Sentinel of Liberty number nine. Did you read this? Yes. Okay. It's written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing with art by Carmen Carnero, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by our favorite lettering Paisan VCs Joe Caramagna. So uh, the invaders are reborn in a different format. I'm still not sold on Carmen Carnero's art style. I'm also not sold on Kelly and Lansing's take on Captain America right now. It doesn't seem even to me. There's just, you know, I, I guess there's a certain aspect of Steve Rogers' character that they're looking to enhance or exploit or explore. That's three words with the letter E. That I'm not comfortable with right now. I'm not comfortable with their approach. Uh, that's just, you know, that's just my personal take. You may, you know, your mileage may vary on this. Ultimately, um, I see the bigger picture that they're looking to uh, uh, create. Uh, obviously, we still have a long way to go with them revealing what that is. Obviously, there is a, a tease here that uh, a major character from Captain America's Rogues Gallery has been uh let's say pushed in a different direction by some of the newer uh villains that have been introduced in this arc and uh that's where we end the issue uh please add your thoughts Friday Cat um, I actually, I don't really have much to, 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 to say on that front, because I mean, you are probably a bigger Captain America fan than I am. Um, so I'm sure, you know, you have read more, some of the more influential stuff than I have, have, uh, there's, there, there've definitely been people that's been taking some liberties with Steve's character of late as we've seen in, in other books. So I can kind of agree with that. Um, 
and in this case it's probably the case but maybe i haven't you know looked that closely into it let's just say right so yeah, right. outside of that yeah i'm not sure i know the only other thing i can say is like yeah we definitely know they're pushing towards that event thing uh mm -hmm. the captain america event thing that they're coming so i guess the sooner that gets here and they kind of get to where they're where they're trying to get to the better this will probably read right right and that's pretty much all i gotta say about it all right next up is miles morales spider-man number three i think roddy cat read this it's written by Cody Ziegler with art by Federico Vicentini, colors by Brian Valenza, and letters by VC's Corey Petit. This is another book that Roddy Cat and I discussed prior to the show's recording. And I actually enjoyed this book up until the end. So it has elements, the several parts of the story has elements that resonate in real world issues, like very much real world New York City department of education issues and i appreciated that even though obviously i am not part of that education system any longer but i know that you know if you just read the news or if you have friends who have kids old enough to go to school and to be part of dealing with uh, some of the the current ways that the education system is trying to promote fairness and diversity and um and uh you know, uh, doing more to uh, integrate not just racially, but also intellectually that, uh, you know, there are some, uh, uh, you know, positives and negatives to some of the changes in the way uh, uh, students are assigned to schools. And that's a very real issue in the real world. And that part of that is touched upon here. And it's made an inter and it's made to be an interesting story point and a plot point, but ultimately it all falls flat when you get to the name of the new villain that's been introduced and again groans. That was my reaction. How about you? I mean, I agree with you to the to the to the point. It definitely was a good read up until the end, like you said. But actually it kind of felt felt as we discussed earlier, it kind of felt a little before that. Because, yes, while the initial reasoning for the adversary coming after um, uh, Miles is steeped in some real-world things, there's part of that that still kind of lost me on it. Because, like, if they had gone, and we had talked before, before like I said, we talked before uh, the start of the program, if they had kept, well, this is my thinking, if they had kept to a, a, a certain way or did a little bit different, like Age of 70 said prior, you know, makes would make way more sense. Right. We got into like we got into like actual hold that thought. It got into actual like factual differences or story differences that had they been applied would have made the story much more compelling. But because exactly. of the way they chose the way that uh, Ziegler chose to portray this, you know, uh, and, and to create this like tension. Right, like the whole point of the tension, the whole point of the character, the the the, the antagonist's uh, viewpoint, and and how they get to that viewpoint just makes less sense than it would if they had just kind of stuck to like some of the more you know real world aspects to it. It's like this was a this was definitely one, but I feel like this was the the the, the wrong one to choose. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, and it makes even less sense when. After the the after the antagonist mentions, you know, her problem, someone asks, 
the real question in okay well why are you not doing this instead of that and then the the character just goes on and kind of continues to justify you know what they're doing i'm like and that's where it kind of gets lost i'm like yeah somebody asked the question that needed to be asked and then like well here's why we're justifying it and it's just it just kind of lost me there outside of that the issue was good yeah, I thought it was fun. I thought, you know, that there were, there were certain parts of it that were less uh, uh, Ziggler trying to jam modern slang down our throats. But, you uh, know. I wouldn't say jam, but sure. Okay. You know, there was a, oh, you know, that the, what was it, the previous issue and the issue before that? I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> but that's also us being old. Yeah. Come on. I was just young, so it makes some sort of sense. Right. My, miles will be long enough. Now, granted, and especially in that last issue, Misty Knight saying some of that stuff was 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 a, a little bit off, but, right? Yeah, but Miles saying it, I I, I was I was with it, I, so I'm kind of with you. Right, right, right. I think that's what I was getting at. You know, just right. it wasn't just Miles saying it, but to have Misty say it also it was a little off putting. Alrighty, last but not least is Moon Knight number twenty. It's written by Jed McKay with art by Alessandro, at least on the Prime story, the first story. Uh, with art by Alessandro Capuccio and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. The backup story or second story is written by Danny Lore with art by Ray Anthony Height and inks by LeBeau Underwood and Scott Hanna. Colors is colors are on the second story also by Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters throughout the issue are by VCs Corey Petit. So the first story by McKay continues the story of Moon Knight's uh Moon Knight's time as head of the Midnight Mission, but it seems like um, some of the some of his foes are going after Moon Knight's previous acquaintances and like old network of support, and he is looking to save them, and he's only partially successful. And it's in you know this is one of those times when you know i compare this to that star trek uh conversation we had where you don't necessarily need to have been reading every single page of moon knight to be able to understand and appreciate this issue because all of these characters are pre-existing characters that are introduced and killed uh to some to some extent but you don't necessarily need to have known when they first or last appeared in a Moon Knight comic book. But of course, editorial is kind enough to put in a little blurb that says that these characters were, you know, at least seen in a group form in like, what was it like Moon Knight number 60 or something like that? Yeah, Mark so, Spector, Moon Knight uh, from back in the nineties, basically. Right. So ultimately I, you know, I appreciated that. Um, yeah. You know, so, so it's, you know, I, I, I really like what McKay is doing with Moon Knight. It's, unhinged i still think that he is definitely uh skirting you know or at least uh, uh walking a very fine line when it comes to dealing with the uh it's not multiple personality disorder it is dissociative identity disorder right he's very much dealing very much walking a fine line with 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 stuff like that uh, the backup story I appreciate because it has uh, elements of um, a character who obviously should play a role in 
some of what Moon Knight is doing nowadays, especially with a, uh, let's just say a vampire playing a prominent role in the Moon Knight book. Also, um, given that we know that Moon Knight is definitely a mantle identity that is often taken on by numerous people and it doesn't have to be something that is passed on you know generation after generation sometimes it's far more recent than that which is something that we find out here Mm -hmm. so ultimately uh i appreciated this it's definitely written with an eye towards it being black history month and uh you know, I just appreciated that it was a nice little uh, story that focused on Blade and an aspect of New York City history, um, you know, with a focus on a part of Manhattan that I always forget is part of Manhattan. And I have dear friends that have lived up there and I would never visited because it is dumb far from where I live. And it's not even in the Bronx. It's still in Manhattan, technically. So I will I will say that, uh, you know, I enjoyed that backup uh, story because I thought it was you know really well told. And I think I've just gotten more comfortable with the ass with the idea, obviously, in Avengers and in recent runs of Moon Knight, that uh, that it's been established, firmly established that Moon Knight is uh, a mantle that is passed on. Right. Um, we, and we definitely got to look, so are you finished? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So uh, I'm going to, um, kind of cap off Moon Knight. Cause I also read that and going to the next book, which is actually slightly related to the back to the, to the backup story, because I did like the fact that, yeah, we did get to see, like I just said, it was like, yeah, the, the, an earlier aspect, an earlier fist of, uh, Kanshu, uh, meeting, um, the day Walker, uh, but also something that seemingly is going to tie into uh, a, the current day Moon Knight uh, dealing with a uh, an ally of theirs or helping with an ally of theirs, I, I, I suppose. Um, and I don't. Well, I'm going to assume this. Like while it, what Agent Seven has said about the the this uh, the backup story kind of being uh, uh, kind of tied to. Black History Month. While that is also the case, but it is also the case that it is likely tied to the book I'm about to talk about right now, which is uh, Bloodline, Daughter of Blade, number one, uh, which was also written by uh, Danny Lore, uh, but also with art by Karen S. Darbo, uh, color artist Chris Peter, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Now, granted, there's no actual direct tie between the two, two books outside of the fact that, um, spoiler alert, Blade does show up in both of these issues uh, in different fashion. But uh, this particular issue is, you know, we've been hearing that, uh, um, you know, Blade's got a daughter for a while and this book is, should have been has been in various states of being out for probably the last three, four years or if not longer in, with various iterations, uh, even a different name change. But now that the book is actually out and they decided to, you know, put it out now, Bloodline, Daughter of Blade, new issue came out this week. I already talked about the uh, creative team. Um, this this book kind of, well, it has a flashback that gives you a little bit more um, 
info um, on a certain aspect of uh, Brielle's life, but then cuts to the present and I believe takes after, uh, was it the Marvel Voices uh, issue? Or there was a, um, or was it, um, there was an issue around Halloween that had Brielle in, um, and I believe um, it was a, that wasn't Tales for the Crypt, but I can't remember what it was, but it basically was a Hall- Halloween, like anthology story that had, um, you know, Moon Knight and some other uh, uh, folks with uh, two or three page stories. One of them was Brielle's. Uh, Brielle also started out uh, in a Marvel's Voices uh, book from last year, if I'm not mistaken. So that was her actual introduction. And then we've seen her a couple of times since then and now into her own book. Um, but yeah, she's kind of still kind of learning the ropes. She came to basically found out that her mom kind of knows more than, than, uh, than she let on. Actually, they found out something that either, neither one of them, uh, didn't know about each other. Um, but now that that's out in the open, you know, kind of, setting course to a potential meeting uh at least if the end is to be believed uh going to be a uh, meeting with uh, blade you know since she is the daughter of blade but it was a good issue i thought uh, in reading this it was um i'm you know i've been very curious as how they were going to handle you know um blade having a daughter one because this is something we hadn't heard about up until fairly you know recent so we kind of get a little bit of, of that, but we don't necessarily, uh, you know, get the whole thing, which is not necessarily saying that we actually need. Um, there was one part of me reading that Moon Knight book before I read this book had me thinking, it's like, wait, is this uh, Blade's mom? But it's not, I mean, not Blade's mom. Uh, is this um, uh, um, um, uh, Brielle's mom, who just so happens to be an aspect of, I mean, who happened to have been a, uh, Moon Knight uh, around the time of Blade uh, coming coming around. That's an interesting thought. But it's not. It's not, because it's two different names, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, they actually reveal it in uh, this issue? The, the, this, well, uh, so the Moon Knight issue gave, at the very least, gave um, the Moon Knight the, 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 the Moon Knight's name, first name. Right. And, if, and if I'm not mistaken, it is not the same okay. as here. I, I might be slightly wrong because I can't remember if they if the mom's first name was actually put in this book or not. Got it. Uh, they usually because anybody who's talked to her is either called her mom or you know Mrs. Uh, whatever her name is, and it's not Brooks. But so uh, if that, that there still could be something to that, but I'm I'm slightly doubting it. That being said, um, if you are of any interest in in this, you should check it out because like I said, it was a pretty good read that I thought some possibly could say that this kind of could it's not doesn't really like the all ages but you could kind of see it has some of that in there and that's not a knock on the book but um um uh just just something i was thinking about at the while i was reading this so but it likes it it reads fine you you'll 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 enjoy it but um since this is rapid fire and this is having a time we should move on to uh, flawed number five of six. And uh, there we go. 
uh, and the creative team on this book is uh, Chuck Brown is a writer, art by Prenzi, letters by Rebecca Carey. So this is the penultimate in, um, issue of this mini series. As I said, uh, things are going to look like to be starting to go to a head going into the last issue. Um, seems also a bit going by kind of fast. Uh, I guess it depends on how you read it, but um, let's just say parties are going to pretty much um, uh, meet with each other going into the end of the book, including a, a, a new addition to one side of the party because they have beef with someone on the other side of it. Let's just say that without giving too, uh, too much away. But uh, I've been enjoying reading this uh, book since this, uh, since it came out, and um, and hoping the uh, the last issue, you know, does well and uh, bringing it on in sticks to landing, as it were. Uh, next book is Magic: The Gathering, number twenty three, uh, written by Jed McKay. There we go. Wow, that's that's not the the one I was looking for, but that's fine. Sorry, folks. Oh, no, that was it. Okay, never mind. Written by Jed McKay uh, and Rich Duick, which it seems to me like Jed McKay, I don't have any knowledge of this, but uh, given that Jed McKay's book was, I mean, excuse me, Jed McKay's name was coming first, and in this case, uh, the co-writer Rich Duick, his name is first with uh, Jed McKay also, and this is being illustrated by Jacques Salomon, and uh, colors by Ariana Kansani and letters by Ed Dushar. The only reason why I mention that, I don't know, we know, you know, uh, Jed McKay's already got a few books under uh, going on right now and he's about to get Avengers. So I don't know, you know, whether he's handing this book over to uh, Richard Dueck or not. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether, because oh, he might stick to the, you know, might be sticking to it and just kind of giving his input or, or even writing an issue or two. It's not saying he can't do both, but. It's just weird that now that the names have switched places, that feels like it's it's kind of um, they might be uh, changing how much they're they're into this they're, they're dealing with this book. But regardless, um, we get uh, a flashback uh, about uh, a couple of the big baddies of this universe, and also wrapped in a tale of another planeswalker that uh, that is brought up here. And going into the plot of what's been going on, in that there's this other planeswalker who's trying to um, revive her homeland, and uh, are is trying to do it by any means necessary. And in this case, she seems to have blackmailed someone into making a Genesis device. If you know your Star Trek lore to help in doing so but also maybe um getting played at the same time if uh, if uh pages in this book are any in the or at least the last page of this book is in the uh in the indication but uh we shall see how that goes <laughs> nice uh in the next issue uh, next up which was actually a kind of surprise to me but a welcome surprise nonetheless, even though this is one of those books that, again, probably could have come out any time during the course of this year, but they chose to do it now. Star Wars, Sinistaros, number one. Um, 
written by Justine Ireland, art by Perry Perez, color artist J. David Ramos, letters by B.C.'s Travis Lanham. So, yes, if you are uh, into the know of the Star Trek, Star Wars books, I'm good. That's <laughs> There's a slip. Yeah, that's going to happen. But um, Son of Star Wars was a breakout from a breakout character personally uh, from the first volume of Star Wars um, books and happily has still been around for a good minute um, since then. And even so far in being in the pages of kind of being a, um, you know, a secondary character in the pages of Dr. Aphra, most notably, notably and currently. Um, now, granted, I have not been uh, on top of that book, so I'm not sure what's fully going on, but I do know she's in it. That being said, it seems as though um, Sana has had to take has had to take a break from whatever's going on over there, which is why she's getting this book. Um, well, well, not why she's getting the book, which is pretty much uh, continuing her tales in this book, as is said. Well, before going into anything, you know, I guess this is saying like, hey, you might want to, you know, you probably already know what's going on in Afro's book, you know, if you're picking this up, you know, or not. But I just so happened to see this out there and I did not know this that she was getting a book until like a, a week or two ago. But that being said, it's a potential click of the week for me. Um, but Sana in need of a break kind of, you know, tries to. Uh, get away from things for a little bit and uh, I guess you know go back to some family go back to check her, check upon her family and uh, while when she does that comes to find out that her family is um some some uh, has got some uh, some things going on with it either and she's not getting a break because there's some it's some definitely action going on that she gets pulled into uh, by the end of this book but um, uh, yeah, I would say to say if you like the character of Sana Staros, I think you might want to check this book out. Um, and please check this book out because, like I said, with everything else is coming out, the books like this is going to need every eyeball in, in on it. Because I don't know if this is. Uh, it seems like it's uh, going to be an ongoing because I haven't seen anything said it was a miniseries, but I'm not entirely sure. Like I said, because I just came across uh, knowing that this book was even coming out fairly recently. But I like what I've read so far. Next book is Scarlet Witch number two, um, which is written by Steve Orlando with art by Sarah Pacelli, uh, with ink assistance by Elisabetta uh, D'Amico and colors by Matthew Wilson with letters by VC's Corey Pettit. Um, so... There's actually two stories here. There's a there's a story, there's a, there's a backup story. Um, the the main story is having to deal with the fact that um, Viv Vision has come to Scarlet Witch for some help because she's uh, been having these nightmares of the night, uh, and that may or may not give you a hint to who might be a, uh, a part of it, except for not directly that I will say. Uh, but the the Wanda goes and help her out, and they even kind of bond a little bit because if you did not know Viv Vision's mom uh, was based off the brain patterns of Wanda. So there is still that weird Vision family connection going on there that they dress a little bit of in the course of the story. Uh, the backup story, uh, as I was telling Agent 70 uh, 
seems to be kind of an end cap to a part of um, uh, the trial of Magneto. And it deals with, um, I should say, Wanda and Storm kind of team up on a thing uh, that is related to that. And that's all I'll say about that. It, that's, that's, I think that is um, a thing worth reading and not me kind of going into spoiling. So, um, but it was a good, uh, it was a good uh, uh, um, little mini story there. And, and kind of touching away the main story was was so also. Uh, believe that I said this was also uh, another potential click of the week for me. So there is that. Uh, next book is Wakanda number five, which is a five um, of this miniseries. And this is, um, excuse me, this was the main story was written by Brandon Thomas with art by Jose Luis, uh, inks by Keith Champagne and Colorado's uh, Andrew Dowhouse. Uh, the backup story, which is the history of the Black Panthers, was written by Evan Narcis. Uh, art with art by Nacho Bustos, color artist Jordi Berlair, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino, uh, doing the whole thing. Uh, so this is a Koye story, most importantly. Um, it kind of ties back to the first issue of Wakanda in a way, in that she's investigating um, uh, events that happened there. Um, she also has... Uh, I guess she's also using this uh, as a teachable moment for her niece who apparently wants to become Adora. Um, and uh, so there is some, some of that kind of uh, going through here, but at the end of this, um, interestingly enough, seems like it should come up somewhere else because the ending seems like um, uh, at the very least something that should be probably addressed and I don't know whether we'll come up somewhere uh, else. I know there was definitely something that was mentioned uh, in, after that about uh, Marvel's Voices Wakanda uh, anthology book that is coming out so it might be addressed there but uh, Okoye kind of does something that, that might um, uh, might seem to, to look bad on, on in, in a certain respect. The last book for me um, is called DC Power a Celebration uh, Number One. It's a one-shot uh, anthology book in you know for Black History Month. Uh, with um, I th well, I'm not I'm not don't know all of the creative teams, but uh, I know they're mostly Black uh, creative team. Uh, the writers definitely, I can safely say, but um, like I said, the rest of the people, I'm not sure. Regardless, but there are a bunch of black characters that have stories in here, and there are also a couple of re uh, stories that are reprinted from someplace else. The last two specifically. Um, let's see. I guess I can quickly kind of go through. No, it's, it's a lot of names. I'm not going to do that. Never mind. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw there's a lot of stories, so. There's a lot of stories. I mean, I, I have the I have the names here, but it, it's a lot of folks uh, with this book, uh, including the aforementioned Evan Narcissus, who writes the first uh, first um, first story. But I will tell you that uh, speaking of the stories, um, um, the, the the characters that the stories are Bart about. Uh, the first one is Amazing Man. The second one is Black Lightning. The third one is Queen Nubia and Bumblebee. Um, 
the fourth one is John Stewart Green Lantern with uh with a uh, uh Kelly Quintella kind of kind of there also, but it's mostly about John John Stewart. Uh, the fifth story is um, Aquaman, which is uh, Kyle Durham and uh, Kid Flash, Wallace West. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, sixth one story is Cyborg, um, a, story, a cyborg story. The seventh story is a Vixen and Batwing story, which apparently, I, I guess they're going to be a couple now, which is weird because I've seen some people talking about that online and that part is the probably the most amusing part um about it for me uh, uh the eighth one is batman which is jace jace fox and and that is a reprint from uh, batman black and white number two uh, volume two number three and the last story is a reprint from far sector number five which has to do with of course uh the green lantern jolene uh sojourner Moline. so um I read most of these with the exception of, well, obviously, well, I didn't read, I kind of skimmed the last one because I've read Far Sector when it actually came out. So I didn't feel it necessary to reread that thing since it's a reprint. But everything else, um, I, I pretty much read. And it's some good stuff. I know uh, we have another um, uh, panel mate who's not here who uh, also seemingly liked it, but we will talk about that in a moment. And uh, that, folks, is it for me. All right, folks, clicks of the week. Uh, I can't even get the tamp down because of the stupid thing going on. So, yeah, we got um, one click from Tim, which was the aforementioned DC Power uh, celebration number one. He didn't really say anything else about it, but uh, but he definitely gave that as his click. So that's cool. Do you, and we didn't get anything from Doug. Dirt, mm. excuse me. I think so. Do you have something on top? Um, I got potentials, but I don't have. I, I I haven't nailed down my um my pick yet. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. I mean, I have I have a couple of candidates. You know, nothing really jumped out at me. Like I said, I actually enjoyed reading Miles up until the end. Um, yeah. I'll say that uh, I did enjoy reading Moon Knight. Um, you know, even though it, you know, like we're dealing with characters that none of us really have any sort of attachment to, um, I could care less. I could not care less. That is, that's the proper phrase. I could not care less about what happened in Venom. Um, I think what I'm going to go with is, you know, the book I, I, I gave the most praise to, and that is Avengers number 65. Okay. That will be my click of the week choice this week. Okay. Um, and of course, for some strange reason, I did not put that in the thing. So we talked about that. We talked about that. Uh, well, you talked about that in the, at the start of your um, your clicks. I mean, your 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 rapids, right? What's that? Avengers, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm just because I'm putting, I'm making the list of this while I'm going on, but apparently I must have missed that. Um, yeah, because you didn't read it this week, right? Yeah, I did. Oh, you did. Yeah. So, but we discussed it. You know, we we both discussed yeah. it during rapid fire. So, right. 
So, but I'm trying to remember where I put it. I'll just have to go back and look because I don't right. remember where I put yeah, it. Yeah, it was at the, I was about to say, it was pr- pretty much near the top because it, alphabetically it comes near the, it's at the beginning, so. Right. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll suss that out later. But for myself, so we kind of keep this going, um, it's probably between the Star on a Star Wars book, uh, Scarlet Witch, um, and probably that DC Power Book because there was actually was some some pretty good stories uh, in that. And that, but I think, um, I mean, and the, the the Bloodline book was actually pretty good too, uh, as well as Moon Knight and Star Trek. You know, continues to be what it is. I, I'm enjoying that. Uh, like I haven't read it because they say, with the exception of Miles, whatever happened at the end of Miles. You know, I I can safely say, well, I guess, and the way Dark Web ended, uh, I can safely say, without with with those exceptions, uh, didn't read a bad book this week. So, not too many weeks that you can say that. <laughs> like this is going to be some good stuff, some bad stuff, or just middling. So, um, but for myself, I think I'm actually going to go with the Star Wars Sarastanos. No, uh, Sarastanos. I thought you were going to go Star Trek, to be honest. I almost, I like I said, I did enjoy it for for certain, um, but no, I there were things in that Son of Star Wars books. Was like, huh, okay, that's interesting. I'm, I'm that has me looking forward to it uh, more, to to say the least. Because I, I loved, I liked that character a lot, and um, I, while I hadn't kept up with uh, Afra, um, of. Uh, I would have. I'm glad to see that they're doing more with that character. So, wouldn't mind seeing the character, you know, show up live action and or you know, um, animated one or two or both at some point. So, but that being said, those are our clicks of the week. We are going to go into the news section, uh, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night, which I did not tell Rodicat about, but it's fairly predictable. It's one of a few. Blue Apron's meal delivery service has fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron, always shipped free right to your home. Especially on a night like this, where it's cold outside, it's nice to have some food in the house that you can quickly put together for a meal. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today! And now we get into the news! Oh, you know, there was something about that Moon Knight book I totally forgot to mention. What's he that? had a Batman moment. Oh, with the with the, the gliding cape? Uh, that too, but oh. no, it was something he said he, that basically sounded like... I am vengeance. Night. <laughs> so I I, I got yeah. out of that. It's like I, I like I am the ghost in the dream or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. So I was like, okay, they gave him a bat. They gave him another. Ba- they gave him a Batman moment. I was uh, yeah. uh that I was tickled by that. I thought the obvious Batman moment was wait, hold on, I'm not comfortable with this gliding cape thing. I there laughed. That, I laughed yeah. at that. I was like, okay, that was good. Right, right, right. But but again, those are, and that that was also another MCU thing with them like talk, talking to you know the, the the other um aspects of of uh themselves. But anyway, uh, cinematic news. Uh, we start out with, uh, as we do about this time, with um, apparently, according to Nielsen, The Eternals was uh, the most viewed Marvel movie in 2022, it seems. It kind of makes so, sense. They didn't say most popular, but most viewed. Right. Um, which I don't, I think I saw... Um, no, it wasn't. Was it Command on Johnny? Or it was either him or no, it was the other dude that played uh, Fastos was out there saying well, around the time this came out, you know, it was like, you know, yeah. That's Brian like Tyree it. Henry, right? Huh? Brian Tyree Henry, right? Uh, Wait, that is Fastos. No, not it wasn't him. It was um, shoot, I was about to say it's not. It's the dude that looked like um, uh, um, he puts me in mind of the dude that's playing the Flash. Uh, um, uh, um, oh, the oh, 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 um, the guy that played Druig. Yeah, Druig. Thank you. I couldn't oh, remember his character. Okay. It, wasn't, it was Druig. Yeah, but I think he was out there, kind of saying yeah, something around. Keon, I think oh. it is. Is it Keon? Keon? Barry Keon or Keon? Yeah, like exactly. But uh, but uh, and I think I saw this like after that because I was wondering what what brought that up. Regardless. So apparently, like I said, according to Nielsen, 4.23, 236 billion <laughs> minutes um, of Eternals had been viewed in 2022, making it the 13th most streamed film of the year. Uh, there's other Disney films that have also, you know, been um, had a lot of views, also including Encanto, Turning Red, Moana. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to go through this whole list, but a bunch of ones that are probably notable for one reason or another. It just so happens that Eternals kind of was the one that was uh, on top of all of that. Right. Um, then it goes into Rotten Tomato score, which y'all know I don't care, give a damn about, but it's ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, there was, yeah, a lot of people rewatched that movie or whatever, which I guess I'll go so, so far as to say that, hey, guess what? Uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, as of the first, is out there on Disney Plus, so you can watch that to your heart's content also. Yes. Coincidentally, let's just say coincidentally, in time for Black History Month. Oh, I, I don't think that was a coincidence at all. I think No, actually... I mean, I think, yeah, I was about to say, I say that firmly tongue-in-cheek, folks. Right. With the, the physical version, actually, is, about to, is going to come out uh, in a couple of weeks also, so... Yeah. All right. So uh, speaking next- of Wakanda Forever, a deleted scene from the movie reveals how Okoye almost became, spoiler alert, queen of Wakanda. That's interesting. So the deleted scene was actually released via IGN, and uh, it reveals that Okoye's arc could have taken a completely different direction. Um, so that's uh, interesting. I have not watched it. Yeah, I didn't watch it either. Because uh, I feel like if, if I end up rewatching um, Wakanda Forever again, I, I will probably do so. Or I'll probably just take a look at the deleted scenes, just kind of see what's in there. 
but um, I, but I haven't as yet. And apparently the site can't be reached. Oh, there we go. Now you want to pop up. All right. Uh, so there, yeah. So there was a report that a Flash alum whose name is Jonas Zhao, Jonah Zhao, um, who played uh, Rainbow Rider 2.0 in Flash, is reported to have a, a Marvel project for Disney Plus. Uh, this is, again, like I said, is per some rumor site uh, that uh, folks like to use, apparently. Uh, it says here that it's simply listed as NDA Marvel Project, according to this to this rumor site. So you know what NDA is. Um, um, and plus, the snipers were, were already going to be out for any Marvel project. So there you go. If anything comes up with this, I'm sure we will definitely let you all know when we find out more. Next up. Alrighty, next up. So anyone who is learned, learned in the ways of the Force has a shot at becoming a contestant on Wheel of Fortune. Why would you go on Wheel of Fortune? Go on Jeopardy. I know you can earn more money on Wheel of Fortune. But you can get there to be part of a special Star Wars Week event. The uh, the classic word puzzle game show is now accepting applications to appear in a round of Star Wars-themed challenges. Wheel of Fortune's official site provides a form that fans can complete and submit for a chance to spin and win cash, Disney vacations, and restore order to the alphabet. Oi. Wheel of uh, Fortune you know- is searching specifically for major Star Wars fans for the, for the theme week. Okay. I'm glad the person who wrote this article had fun with that because, you know, good on them for that part. But I'm kind of with you on it. It was like, yeah, Jeopardy would have been a way better fit for trivia purposes. Like, it's Wheel of Fortune. You just guess the letter and you there's already a cipher for that in a way. Um, I think I jokingly said on Twitter, I was like, you know what? If I don't see anybody force pushing the wheel, then this is bullshit. Yeah. So... Uh, I don't know if this says when this thing is going to happen, but regardless, hey, there you go. Yeah, I was about to say, I I don't know if I've watched a full episode or any part of Wheel of Fortune on purpose in a long time. I know I haven't, so yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm weirdly slightly surprised it's still on, but in, in a way, kind of not. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, apparently there's um, I should have moved this. I intended to, but apparently there is a potential new Tomb Raider series in the works at um, Amazon with Phoebe Waller Bridge, who I believe was or will be in that next um, um, Indiana, Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I know that name. I've heard that name here and there for for other like Fleabag and and other things, but I don't think I've ever watched anything with her in it that I remember. But regardless, um, and also Tomb Raider based off to the game, you know. Um, and yeah, this this um, yeah, this article does mention the the uh, Indiana Jones thing, so that's there's that. But um there's no other thing than that then this is you know it could be a thing that's that's in talks nothing has been concrete they already have another team uh i think they're also still trying to get another tomb raider book with possibly that last girl who uh who played her uh who is if you're watching the video version whatever there is of it (laughs) you can see in the uh thing but yeah we'll see if it happens Next up. Just give me a sec. I have to reload our 
show notes. Just give me a moment. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Get that GD scrolling. Watch the show notes scrolling. Raw hide. All right, let's see here. Uh, Archer Star confirms the recording has begun for season 14. The long running animated spy sitcom Archer is in production on season 14. A member of its main voice cast has confirmed. All right. Listen, I've never really watched that show, but I understand it's funny. So I'm happy for all of the fans of the show. I've, I've liked what I've, what I've watched of Archer, which is probably a good six or seven seasons. So I didn't know, I knew it was still going, but I haven't seen it since, since said six, six or seven seasons. So again, surprised that it's still going, but like you said, good on him for it. Um, and yeah, it is, it's a pretty decent show. It's a pretty good show. I thought I, I figured it might start getting longer than two by now, especially after the whole ISIS thing, but they've gone away from that also. Um, anyway, Paramount plus, Paramount plus and Showtime become hold your horses, folks. Paramount plus with Showtime. <gasps> that's that's it. Seriously? Yeah. So the funny part about it is, I don't know if anybody saw that Hulu commercial where there was like they're trying to workshop names for new uh, Hulu's new subscription uh, tier or whatever the case may be. This doesn't feel any better than what they jokingly came up there. So that's that's funny. Also, I thought Paramount Plus and Showtime are, were already kind of put together because last time I even checked out Paramount Plus, I could have I've seen some Showtime stuff on there, but I don't know. But nevertheless, Paramount confirmed the change in a Twitter post, noting that the merger is the quote next natural step in our evolution. Uh, the company is also planning to carry over select original content from Paramount Plus to the TV network, which could include shows like Halo and Yellowstone, Yellowstone spinoff 1923. And I'm pretty sure that's probably going to be a price hike. Uh, that is very much unwarranted at some point. Next up. All righty. So uh, the latest trailer for the final season of Picard has brought the show to its apparently inevitable Star Trek The Next Generation reunion plotline. So the season's story appears to kick off with a distress call from Picard's old flame and former chief medical officer Beverly Crusher. But of course, there are galaxy-wide stakes here as well. Okay. I take it you didn't watch the uh, trailer. I have not. Mm. It's a pretty good trailer. Uh, it does. Whoa, Picard season three. I was just scanning through this. Hold that thought. Picard season three will premiere on Paramount Plus on February sixteenth, running for ten weeks. Whoa, that's literally the week of Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Mm-hmm. And also going to be the last uh, season of Star Trek Picard. So, yeah, uh, you were saying about the trailer. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. The the trailer kind of can catch you in the feels. Uh, okay, a, a little bit. Because it was like, oh, man, it's next generation. You know, a lot of the next generation folks back together again, you know, and this and that and other. Just check it out if you get a chance. Cool. Uh, next up, though, um, some sad news. Oh, actually, that was something else I forgot to mention. Um, rest in peace to Cindy Williams, uh, Shirley of LeBurne and Shirley, who also passed recently. Yes. But, um, and Annie Sh- Wershing. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Yes, the actress who's younger than both myself and Roddy Cat. This is true. Oi, uh, oi. I was very sad to hear about this. 
Yes. Um, Star Trek fans actually may know her um, notably as the most recent iteration of the Borg Queen. Yes. From Star Trek uh, Picard. Uh, apparently she was also in 24 and a whole bunch of other things, but that's, you know, to, to, for the stuff that's germane to, to uh, what we're talking about. Uh, there is that. And apparently it was um, once again, fuck cancer because yep. that, that is, uh, that was the cause of death complications therein. So yeah, rest in peace. And there was a lot of outpouring, you know, on Twitter about uh, about that. Apparently, she's been a lot of things according to this. Yeah, no, so. she's been active, and like I said, she's on the younger side. So that is just awful news. Awful, awful news. Okay, yeah, she was also mocap for Last of Us, which uh, which is know. in the news, obviously nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I was about and, to say, have you uh, have you watched any of it yet? Before no, we move on? Oh, okay. I'm not really, I don't really care too much too. So I hear it's good though. No, I was about to say the, the most recent episode has garnered rave reviews, even though seen, it's not, what I was going to say, it's not necessarily uh, sticking to the story of the video game, but it expands on it and doesn't necessarily change too much of the story of the right. video game. So I've heard uh, people in, on podcasts mostly say that they appreciate that the, the, uh, the expansion of the story in this case. Right. Yeah. Cause the two characters that were involved, um, yeah, don't, uh, they kind of, uh, expand on that. Um, and apparently I keep forgetting that, um, that dude who, um, whose name is escaping me now is, um, was, was married to Megan Mullally, Mullally from Will and, Will and Grace. Nick Offerman. Yeah. 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 Are yeah. they wait? Did they get a divorce? No, no, no. no oh, you say he, was. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, many was, isn't I didn't know that. I gotcha. That they are. I gotcha. Right. So, anyway, next uh, next story. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm like, wait a second. You like yeah, totally uh, transmuted that story into something else. I was like, what? No. Uh, no. <laughs> all right. Uh, in more sad news, Lisa Loring, the actress who, uh, the actor who played the original Wednesday Adams, has passed away at the age of 64 years old. Adam uh, uh, Loring brought Wednesday Adams to life in the first live action adaptation of The Adams Family. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's been a thing. Um, I, for, for a second, I thought she was uh, related to another Loring that I'm, that I'm thinking about, but I don't. It's, I don't think so, but we're not going to go into all of that. Um, next up, though, Lex Luthor F actor John Cryer, which is a sentence I thought I would never <laughs> never say, um, apparently pitched a Legion of Doom series to, to Warner Brothers. Uh, as some folks may know, John Cryer is playing um, uh, Lex in the uh, Arrowverse version of Lex Luthor, for the uh the Superman and Lois show, if I'm not mistaken. Uh yeah, I mean yeah, I think that's the case. But um and I still haven't checked out his his portrayal of which is still kind of fun to me. Ducky is playing uh Lex Luthor. So but regardless, like I said, he pitched a uh Legion of Legion of uh, Doom uh uh show and it sounds like it didn't uh it didn't go anywhere, and the quote is, "I uh, wasn't meant to be." I guess, I guess. 
And I think it looks like he pitched it after that last crisis that they have in the Arrowverse. So there you go. Next up. Gotham Knights, the imminently debuting teen superhero series for the CW, starring, among others, Supernatural's Misha Collins, is already shooting its first season finale. Okay. Oh, I put this in the wrong way. That that makes sense. So let me just move that over and get that. So yeah, I guess that's, that's got one season in the can already. So I guess uh, based on the, the 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 video game that is out already, uh, which I still haven't played, and it's getting mixed reviews on. Um, but next up, apparently that Keanu. Uh, Keanu Reeves led Constantine two movie that uh, was uh, that has been announced already. Keanu wanted to wanted it really bad that he asked uh, Warner Brothers every year until they said yes. Apparently, <laughs> so um, I still haven't seen Constant the first Constantine. Have you seen it? No, actually. Yeah, as far as I know, it's still on HBO Max, uh, but you know, at least the last time I checked. Uh, and I know a lot of people like that version of Constantine. Um, but yeah, I haven't said it, but I think a lot of people like it because it's, it's Keanu. <laughs> Maybe whether the, whether the movie was actually good or not, I, let's, let's be real. I think it's mostly because it was a young Keanu Reeves. Or a younger. So, a younger, yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, he still looks, you know. He's kind of around our age, isn't he? He's like, or a yeah. Older. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, he's just, you know, he, he he's taking a lot of these roles. Um, I was about to say he's taking a lot of these roles along with him, you know, in sequels and whatnot. So, all righty, folks, in this week's major news, James Gunn has revealed he and Peter Safran's DC Universe plans. 10 movies and shows beginning in 2025. In terms of movies, there is Superman Legacy. Gunn is currently writing the screenplay, and Safran is hopeful the filmmaker will also direct the DC movie set to come out in, on July 11th, 2025. Superman Legacy will not be an origin story, but will focus on Clark's struggle to balance his superhero life with his human one. The story will also explore Superman being a beacon of kindness in a world that believes kindness is old-fashioned. My understanding is that this is a younger Superman. The Authority. Gunn is currently outlining the film, which will be based on Wildstorm characters. The DC imprint will be brought into the main universe with the live-action movie. According to DC Studios, the authority explores anti-heroes who have good intentions while having to go to extremes extreme, due to how broken the world is. Next is The Brave and the Bold. This will be a Batman and Robin story with a new star set to play the Dark Knight. Robert Pattinson and Ben Affleck will, therefore, not be starring in this film. Based on Grant Morrison's Batman run, the story sees Bruce discovering that Damian Wayne is his son. Taught to be an assassin, Bruce must now raise Damian under his wing. The Brave and the Bold will also feature other members of the Bat family. It was not revealed if they have decided which actors will play them, or if DC Studios will even use stars that have been used previously. Next is Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. The Girl of Steel is getting her own solo movie, which will be based on Tom King's recent DC run. Really recent DC run that I don't think either Roddy Cat nor myself uh, read. 
as he is an architect of the project as well. While Superman was raised on Earth with kind parents, Supergirl stayed, stayed on a piece of Krypton that drifted off. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, will explore her life as she was forced to see many loved ones die tragically. Next and last in terms of the movies is Swamp Thing. DC Studios is working to make your heart sing on a movie that explores the dark origin story of Swamp Thing. In terms of television shows, the first one up is Creature Commandos. Again. Who? I was about to say, I'm going to kind of breeze through these next few because, yeah. All right. Uh, this was the only animated series announced that this is my version of breezing through. This was the only animated series announced as part of the slate. Gunn has already written seven episodes for the series. Creature Commandos will center Rick Flagg Sr., who's set to appear elsewhere in live action, portrayed by his voice actor, Nina Mazursky, Dr. Phosphorus, Eric Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, who's the protagonist, G.I. Robot, and Weasel. Next up is Waller, the previously announced Amanda Waller spinoff series is moving forward with Viola Davis set, still set to star. The show will take place between Peacemaker seasons one and two. This is because Gunn does not have time for Peacemaker right now. Doom Patrol executive producer Jeremy Carver and Watchmen scribe Crystal Henry, Crystal Henry, are heading up the series. Uh, next up is Lanterns. While it's unclear if this is meant to be Greg Berlanti's Green Lantern TV show, Lanterns will center on Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart. According to DC Studios, it's a detective mystery with the Green Lantern serving as super cops on Precinct Earth. Lanterns will lead into an overall story about an ancient horror while weaving between movies and DC TV shows. Next up is Paradise Lost. This is the toughest concept. This is a Wonder Woman prequel series in the style of Game of Thrones, focusing on the origin of Themyscira before Diana Prince's time. Paradise Lost will explore how the political game that is played on Themyscira and what a society of women do in order to gain power. Last but not least is Booster Gold, a series focusing on the future tech superhero with imposter syndrome is in the works. DC Studios are currently speaking to an unspecified actor to play the titular role and that is it so far from DC Studios. I have one comment. I the funniest thing I heard about all of these projects was from mm -hmm. Van Lathan on the Ringerverse. He said something along the lines of, "Well, if they really did Paradise Lost, Themyscira story, exactly like they did Game of Thrones, everyone would watch it." So <laughs> I yeah, cackled I, when I when I heard that. I think I stopped on the street and just started laughing. <laughs> yeah, they they're they're too cowardly to do that. But anyway, but I was going to go 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 back on what you was going to say uh, and what you said about it initially, and that honestly, it's the easiest one to do because of that. But because that Game of Thrones is already out there and people, are, you know, there's always been other things, including another version of uh, Game of Thrones that kind of um, that that's kind of done that. So, no, that's, that's pretty much the easiest one out of this one. And also the video, which I think clocks in uh, like about five or six minutes, is, was probably still shorter than 1870 reading off all of those things. Um, I don't know. It's don't. Sure. That's the only thing I can say about it right now. Honestly, I, Agent 70 had said something about a creature commando earlier, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that one either. Yep. 
um, some of these other ones, like I said, I'm sure we're closer to some of these other ones coming coming about. We'll we'll have more to talk about. And the guys whole gods and monsters things. I'm surprised they didn't go anywhere around that uh, the animated series. I mean, the animated sh- uh, movie that they did. But I, I guess they're trying to get away from that. Uh, the only thing, thing I can actually say, so we can go ahead and move on, is that I know Gunn said in the video that uh, stuff like the Batman um, is pretty much shuffled into the Elseworlds category. Um, while Flash and yeah, Flash and um, Shazam are pretty much still kind of in the mainline continuity. Uh, in fact, Flash is pretty much uh, you know the thing that's going to kickstart that. There was something he also said in the, the uh, in in that video about the Flash that kind of made me bristle. But we've already talked about the the ongoings with that Flash movie, so. Uh, yeah, just go back on our earlier shows <laughs> on that stuff. Um, Ant-Man, The Flash, and Fast X among Super Bowl... Um, wait, the, the next Super Bowl's uh, trailers, apparently. Uh, so according to Deadline, it seems that major studios will be sharing the best of what they have in the com- uh, in their upcoming release slate during the matchup between the Ca- uh, Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles. Sports ball. Mm. Um, so, like I said, yeah, like I said, the Flash going to have uh, um, all of those movies that I that I just mentioned, uh, which most of which are coming up relatively soon, are going to have trailers uh, coming up, and that's next week. So, you know, if you like me, look for the trailers that come out of the Super Bowl rather than the Super Bowl itself. You, I guess you got something to look forward to. Except for I'm not probably going to be watching any of the trailers that come out of there because I just want to get the movies, with the exception of Flash, which I don't care about it at all. Actually, I take that back. The Fast X movie, I, I would probably catch another uh, trailer of that one. Yeah. You know, family. All right. Next up, Walking Dead star Jeffrey Dean Morgan recently teased Invincible fans ahead of season two of the Prime Video animated series. He sparked speculation that he's joining the show's cast by sharing a photo of himself purchasing two Invincible comic book compendiums on Instagram. Notably, the compendiums are the second and third in the series, which suggests that Morgan is specifically brushing up on invincible plot points set to be adapted post season one. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious. Speaking of Fast X, uh, Vin Diesel reveals first look at Jason Memorial's character. Um, in I think there was yeah on an Instagram post where they have them bumping fists together. Um, you know, again. Family. I was about to say, did you did you skip that criminal uh, article? What criminal? Or did I? It's all right. I'll circle back to it. Criminal series based on Ed Brubaker. Yeah, no, I think I think I did. It's all right. Finish yours. I'll I'll come back to this one. Go ahead. Because I had the other one in the wrong place. Anyway, um, and as confirmed in this Instagram post, also uh, two weeks away from the Fast X trailer launch, which can kind of can confirm the fact that um, there's going to be trailer through. Uh, during the Super Bowl. Family. Next up. Criminal series based on Ed Brubaker's comic books in works at Amazon Studios. This is as reported by Deadline. This is an exclusive. So um, details are still scarce, but the project written by Brubaker, who serves as executive producer and showrunner, is described as an interlocking universe of crime stories based on his award-winning comics. And that's pretty cool that it's over at Amazon. So they will be more than likely 
willing to take chances a la Invincible and the boys. Yeah, they, they can definitely go a little harder, or they will probably go a little harder because of those. Yep. Now we're going to go into the anime corner. United Um, Cabo Bebop uh, creator Shinichiro Watanabe reveals uh, Cabo Bebop's original title, which was um, Nagarabashi Bebop or Shooting Star Bebop, but they ended up not able to use it because of a trademark issue, and now we uh, we have you know, and then it ended up with the uh, the the eponymous name. That we all know and love. Uh, I believe also, I don't know if this, in, if this article or not, but I think in that same interview, uh, it was said that Watanabe watched like a scene of that uh, Cabo Bebop Netflix uh, thing and turned it off mm. for, you know, for for reasons. Uh, I didn't put that article in the, the show notes. You know, wasn't necessarily necessary, but the fact that that was the case kind of tells you a lot, can tell you a lot. Next up. Attack on Titan and Spy X family creators share details of a friendly rivalry. That's pretty cool. So Attack on Titan creator Hajime Isayama has an interesting rivalry with a fellow mangaka. As reported by comicbook.com, uh, Isayama revealed his ongoing sports feud with Spy X family creator Tatsuya Endo. I don't know if it's an interesting anecdote, and I don't know if you know the mangas of Blue Lock and Spy X family, said Isayama. In fact, their authors are former assistants of mine who worked on Attack on Titan. Tatsuya Endo, the author of Spy X family, is my great rival in ping pong. Okay. Typically, Endo beats or bests the Attack on Titan creator in ping pong matches, but Isayama occasionally scores a victory. Okay. I thought that was cute. That's why I had to put this in there. That's funny. Um, Crunchyroll has quietly launched Gundam, the witch from Mercury's English dub. I know some, some uh, uh, dub resistant folks don't care, but nevertheless, it is, is a thing for those who, who uh, are. So starting from episode zero, they have been dubbed in English uh, in a, in a separate tab on the series's main page on Crunchyroll. Uh, it says here it's likely unknown if this is the herald of a weekly release covering the 12 issues, uh, 12 episodes of season one, or if like Pokerlog itself, this is just, um, you know, a taste for, for the eventual dub. Uh, I don't know if it has the, it doesn't. Okay. I was about to say if it had the, uh, the dub credits, but I wasn't going to read them anyway. Next up. All right. So we're switching over to the, uh, manga corner. All right, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, the Witch from Mercury side story manga, is set to launch in the spring. Uh, let's see, is there a date? I gotta open the article. Grr. <sighs> spring, 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 need a date. Uh, no, it doesn't say. Yeah, there is no date outside of spring. Yeah, it's all right. My Hero Academia uh, Theory imagines an unusual armistice to the war. 
Um, this is spoilers for the latest chapter of, or one of the latest chapters of uh, the My Hero uh, manga. I won't really go into it regardless. Uh, but apparently, uh, some characters make their return, uh, but uh, possibly switching sides, it looks like. So you can check that out if you haven't read uh, read up on it yourself, if you are interested. Next up. All righty. McFarlane Toys has introduced a classic Robin figure as an exclusive release, which is kind of sucktastic. Um so it's going to be an on a McFarlane Toys online store exclusive. So that means you don't have to hunt for it, but you will have to look for it. Uh, the pre-order launched as, oh, is about to launch on February 7th, that is. It's actually a pretty cool looking figure. I'm still not so keen on the seven inch uh, scale of these McFarlane DC figures. They look a little too elongated for my taste, but uh, I like the way this one looks. Well, we'll see if that holds out when they actually do elongate it, man. Oh, goodness gracious. Where is it? Wizards of the Coast folds on, um, um, basically they, they backtrack on, on what they said about the open gaming license because people were up in arms and was probably storming the gate because of it and they didn't want to lose sales. Likely that is me editorializing. But nevertheless, um, uh, so yeah, so everything stands the way they where the things are and they are not taking their ball and going home and uh, uh, and, and kept and um, all seems to be well for now on the D- Dungeons and Dragons front. Next up. Oh, in sad news, Hasbro is set to cut 15% of employees after disappointing holiday sales. So, uh, the company confirmed in a news press release that 15% of their global workforce will be cut throughout the next year, roughly a thousand jobs in total. Lackluster sales from the holiday season of 2022 are the cause with sales reportedly down as much as 17% year over year with toy sales falling yet. With Dungeons and Dragons and Magic Gathering brands actually rising in sales, so uh, yeah, you know what? I uh, is it, is this my fault since I cut back on my Marvel Legends collecting? I'm sorry, uh, Hasbro employees. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying no because you know there's been a lot of we we've talked about at least one or two, but there's been a lot of um, higher profile or as high profile, you know, job cuts lately. Right. Like Microsoft. Right. But uh, this one cuts close to home, you know, hits close to home because of, you know, how often we talk about Hasbro products. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure you not buying them is not. You right. Know, I obviously was saying that tongue in cheek, I know, but, but I feel like it's also emblem. Uh, it's also, uh, 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 emblematic of, you know, like some of the some of the uh, the hurdles that the company's dealing with, like a little bit of uh, action figure collecting fatigue. Also, you know, a certain group of a certain let's say population of collectors who were probably in the same cohort as myself and yourself that are you know have hit a point where they've gotten a lot of the characters that they want. Yeah, totally. and are not necessarily enthusiastic about the latest releases. So. That's why I mentioned that. That's why I, 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 I kind of, you know, said what I said tongue in cheek, but you know, with an element of truth in there. Yeah. But like, yeah, right. At the same time, like 
I don't know. So sometimes when they say disappointing holiday sales or anything like that, that just means that they didn't get what they projected they wanted, but they still got a lot. I I feel like, again, I don't have any numbers. I don't know, nor any kind of knowledge whatsoever. I feel like Hasbro probably made some numbers somewhere, mm-hmm. if not in one or two licenses elsewhere. I feel like they did make a bunch of money. So, and like, so we there's been a lot of, uh, you know, specifically in tech, uh, there's been a lot of uh, uh, slashing of jobs for reasons that give that may or may not have anything to do with anything necessarily actual. You know, like they're still getting money, but they're just getting rid of folks for reasons for their own bottom line and not necessarily because they necessarily needed to in, in some cases. But that's just me editorializing. Like I said, I don't know any numbers or anything else. It is sad to to, to see you know people losing their jobs. Believe me. Um, so that uh, that is a whole a whole thing. Um, Star Wars Jedi Survivor deal offers the game for quote unquote free, and I the air quotes were up because basically, hey, you buy a graphics card, you get the game. Which is a standard practice. This, this it happens more often than than not. So this is not a new thing, but this is just like if you want that game, which has been pushed back six weeks, by the way. This is the new Jedi uh, Star Wars game uh, that is coming out uh, later this year. Um, you know, and you're in the market for a new graphics card. Hey, you might want to um, look into it. So apparently, the offer is for um, the AMD Ryzen 7000 series game bundle, which is only available up until April 1st, 2023. Um, and again, like I said, the game got pushed a little bit, so they, I'm sure you will get the voucher for that game uh, when it does release. But you can get your graphics card now, which is, you know, you can probably buy 10, 12, 15 versions of the game for the same price, if not more. But hey, like I said, if you need a new graphics card and want the game, you have your options there. Next up. All right. So there is a new live action trailer for Marvel's Spider-Man 2, which has appeared online. Okay. Uh, in a video that began circulating on the internet, a new commercial for Marvel Spider-Man 2 was found to have started airing. The trailer sees real life actors highlighting some criminals that have been webbed up in New York City before both Spider-Man and Miles Morales are shown swinging away. The video then ends by advertising that PS5 consoles are in stock now, which is something that Sony has been promoting much more heavily recently as the availability of the hardware has improved. I've mentioned it to Roddy Cat before. I happened to be on foot in uh, Manhattan and walked into a GameStop, and lo and behold, they had PS5s in stock, and I started chuckling. I was like, huh, just <laughs> maybe, but I fought the temptation, folks. <laughs> Right. And anecdotally, which is actually kind of funny because my, my brother um, went into, I think he was in a, either in a Costco or Sam's one or two and saw they had a display full of uh, um, uh, PS5s there. And he was like, should I, you know, and, and the price, which was better than the price I, I, I got mine for, I can safely say. And um, he was like, should I get it or not? And so we kind of was going with that. I'm like, so yeah, they're definitely out there. And They've been trying to get a, get stuff into the pipeline for reasons, not, not the least of which is that they have a new VR gear that is shortly coming out, too. So they want consoles to go with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but also they've been getting stuff back into the, the, the pipeline 
you know, so that anybody wants them and get them. But I also speculated that, well, it's far enough in the cycle now where they're trying to get rid of that old stock so they can work, so they can put the new ones out there. Because we're about about four or five years in, uh, years in at this point. And that's where usually when they start slimming stuff down. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to get the old, old stock. So just saying. Uh, but you can finally battle your friends in Marvel Snap. Um so yeah, though we talked about the battle mode that they're they're putting into the game, and uh, that mode is in now, which I haven't had a chance to check out. But basically, the battle mode is when you can pretty much uh, in- instead of randomly getting set up with a match, you can actually match up with people you know uh, on the on the game, uh, and it's cross platform, so you can you know match with any of your friends wherever they are. It's a good. It's a good game. Yeah, I think even Tim has been playing it off and on, which is I was slightly surprised to see, but you know, I guess he's he's been liking it. Um, but yeah, there you go, folks. That mode's out there. Have at it. Next up. Uh, so you did the snap one. Yes. All right. The Marvel Multiverse role-playing game expands with the X-Men. Fans will soon be able to put the power of the Marvel Universe in their own hands. In addition to the previously announced core rulebook and adventure book, RPG players can also look forward to a brand new X-Men source book coming in 2024. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, you can get the new Marvel Multiverse role-playing game on sale August 2nd, 2023, and it's available for pre-order now. Uh, you'll next be able to get the Cataclysm of Kang Adventure book coming late 2023. And as I said, you'll be able to get the X-Men source book coming in 2024. Yeah. So I guess this marks the actual, um, release date or yeah, the actual release date, because it was supposed to be coming out in July of Mm. this year, but I guess, you know, but now they're according to this is saying it's august that's all right it's a month you know it's not six months it's not another year (laughs) exactly well and the and the fact is that they've they've been you know going headlong with the playstation uh, play testing excuse me and kind of finalizing the rules so i don't think anybody was really expecting it to to come out when they initially said it was so just surprising it's as short as it is but unless they change it again Royal Mail marks uh, X-Men's 60th anniversary with a special stamp set, which I believe you can get now uh, if you if you live in London. So if you know anybody that lives in London can get you a set and you're that much of an X-Men fan, hey, go for it. says here that the 17 steps uh, stamp set will feature some of the most popular characters from the Marvel Comics series. Uh, 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 that was first published in 1963, you know. The main set of stamps it was created by British comic book artist Mike McCone and includes original members uh, <clears throat> uh, Professor X, Cyclops, Angel, Iceman, Beast, no Jean Grey of the original five. That's... Oh, wait, okay. Other favorite characters were Ring, Kitty Pride, Colossus, Jubilee, Jean Grey, Storm, Rogue, also feature in the collection. I was about to say, how are you going to have the original five and not have Jean up in this, uh, up in this spot? Um, so but yeah, British. there's also uh, an additional five set that's the miniature sheets and, and and with some other characters uh, from their rogues gallery and or, or formerly of their rogues gallery, I guess I should say at this point. So, next up. Okay, so this is a story that has spoilers for Exterminators number five, which is something that 
came out what last week, and I think Roddy Cat mm-hmm. read it. Mm-hmm. So uh, apparently, in this issue, Jubilee uh, goes atomic level. <laughs> so yes, I only put this uh, story in here so that I can say she bombed atomically. Oh no, Socrates' hypotheses and you know mm-hmm. something about mockeries. Okay, exactly. Uh, but yeah, go check out Exterminators. That that material was pretty good. Um. <laughs> um so we know that Colin Kelly and Jensen Lansing's are already busy with projects, but we also know that they are um uh they have the Guardians of the Galaxy book coming up, and apparently they sat down with uh CBR to discuss the new series, which apparently um well they were asked about the ending from the previous run of from Al Ewing. Um and said that they basically said that, uh, oh, Lansing explained to CBR that he and Kelly discussed their series with Ewing to, quote unquote, make sure there's no disrespect implied with what they had in mind. So basically, it was them saying that they were not trying to step over, step on the ending that it was giving them. But also, we've seen this before in Spider Man, kind of, wherein, you know, the, the last run of Made Spider Man ended happily and then we got what we got now and still haven't gotten explain explained on it. hopefully they're going to be a little bit better with explaining how they got to this point uh in the guardian guardian series but we'll see next up next up emma frost's sinister form is her coolest design yet there's some uh non-objective writing right there <laughs> um Acclaimed artist Mark Brooks has revealed his sinister Emma Frost variant cover for Immoral X-Men number one, giving the White Queen a gorgeous new look. Okay. I mean, you know, it's Emma Frost with a diamond on her head. Okay. Right. And and, and Sinister's cape. So. Yeah. You know. I mean, okay. It's, it's not outside the realm of what something she would have probably rocked anyway. <laughs> right. You know, the sinister cape in a different color. So, I don't know. Whatever, man. Yeah, it is what it is. Marvel announces X-Men before the fall prequels for Fall of X event. Uh, there's new details on a set of on set of four one shots that will lead directly into the next era of X-Men comics. Uh, fall of X was first announced at New York Comic Con and follows the building blocks laid out by Jonathan Hickman in uh, House of X, Powers of X. The next chapter in the Krakoa era comes after Marvel's Merry Mutants secluded themselves on the sovereign uh, on the sovereign island nature of Krakoa uh, and goes to blah 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 blah. So the titles will run between May and July and will tie up long simmering plot lines. Uh, reintroduce major players and put all the pieces in place for the dramatic events of the third Hellfire Gala, which will also reveal the results of this year's uh, X-Men votes, which actually is the next story. Right. So you have 10 minutes left to cast your vote. If you're watching live. Right. If you are watching live, if not, guess what? You are asked out. But (laughs) Guess what? You can still vote for that last member of the lead hero team of X-Men. And I am putting my vote in right now. You can vote between Cannonball, Dazzler, Frenzy, Jubilation, Lee, Juggernaut, and Prodigy. And I am pl- I am placing my vote as we speak, folks. I'm, I'm curious, but I'll ask you afterwards who you voted for. 
Um, next up, though, Swamp Mean meets Robocop in a new enviro dystopian thriller called Junk Rabbit. Uh, Image Comics has a new comic book from fan favorite creator Jimmy Robertson. Uh, called Junk Rabbit. The new ongoing series will launch on April 5th in comic book stores and digitally. It says here in Junk Rabbit, a new hero rises from the heaps of consumer waste, mass homelessness, and devastating climate change. Excuse me. Some call the hero a myth, an urban legend, but others know that it's just a junk rabbit come to life, and now it's on a bloody path of, path of revenge against those who created it. Dun dun dun. Mm hmm. So if that sounds uh, interesting to you, have at it. April 5th. Next up. Mm-hmm. Hold on. I'm trying to put I'm trying to place my vote. I don't know if I'm getting it done right. Oh, it I think it'll tell you once you vote, it'll be like, all right, cool. So Yeah, I'm having trouble. It must be because it's getting close to midnight. That's possible. Are you doing it on Chrome or are you doing it on? I am in Chrome. Hmm. But sometimes it might be Chrome, a Chrome issue. So I would maybe try another uh, website. I mean, I would try another browser if you got it. But Yeah, I was about to say, I just opened Firefox. But chance, oh, you're probably writing as close to, and I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to open in Firefox because it's. I still have more than five minutes. So that's why it's like, oh, that's a little, I was about to say, that's a little whack. You know, like I, I would understand if it was like two minutes before. You know. Do you want me to go ahead and get this last one then? Since uh, how many more do we have? This last one. Oh no, you yeah, Jeff, take it, please, 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 please. Fair Square uh, adds alien books to its catalog, with, and kicking off with Ariel Oliveri's Oliveri art book and a horror anthology. So Fair Square Comics is helmed by former Spider-Man noir writer and humanoids editor Fabrice uh, Sabolski. Uh, which has entered a multi-year agreement with the comic studio Alien Books, under which Fair Square will include Alien titles in their catalog for distribution by both Diamond Comics distributors and Diamond uh, Book distributors. The beautiful quote: "The beautiful thing about Alien Books is that their catalog complements ours," uh, Sapolsky said in a statement on accompanying the announcement. They're coming with incredible talents and genres such as horror, sci-fi, art books and western that we are not offering this partnership is a no-brainer and the first scheduled title is uh, the aforementioned art of ariel olivetti showcasing the comics art of the argentinian creator who spent 25 years as an artist for marvel dc boom and others the book was uh, crowdfunded on kickstarter and um, pretty much made it and did his thing and it's coming out April 18th of this year with an MSRP of $24.99. Um, there's also a horror anthology coming out uh, on April 12th. And uh, yeah, that's it. And some other stuff to, to come. So it says here that Fair Square was founded in 2019 uh, that to emphasize comics by underrepresented groups such as immigrants and minorities. Uh, has a color-coded system to indicate creative rights. Green titles are owned by co are owned or co-owned by Foursquare. I guess that's supposed to be Fairsquare. Foursquare is a different thing. Uh, purple graphic novels are creator-owned. Blue indicates products licensed from other publishers for English language distribution. It will add a fourth color ca uh, category: gold for Alien books titles. That's a neat way to go about it. So, 
And that is the end of the news for tonight. And uh, I'm assuming Agent 70 has gotten his vote in. No, it's my last chance. It's my last chance. Oh, come on. Let me vote. You know, it's, it's, I was about to say, uh, 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 uh I forget the, um, you know, um, don't disenfranchise me. That's the word. Uh, okay. <laughs> Disenfranchises take away the right to vote. Yes, I know. I, I know what it I'm is. I'm just saying, but... like, that's, you know, let's, let's be real technical here. Don't disenfranchise I, me. I think that's what they're doing, but yes, you're the, uh, it is a bummer. That is so. what they're doing. <laughs> yes. That, that last minute voting always goes well. It um, is what they're doing. Don't disenfranchise me. Okay, I would have to cut this out too because Agent 70 could have had the head out of the way. That's so funny. Just... Fine. Wink, your personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to toronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash Wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink Wines through CSPN. Do it today. All right, folks. Uh, that is it. Oh, sorry. It's all right. I'm trying to vote, folks. I'm being disenfranchised. Oh, and I'm trying to end this thing before OBS uh, craps up again. So uh, that being said, um, Hey, we we got through it, folks. Uh, some some way, shape, or form, you will have a a, a program out, uh, even if you don't know what I mean by this <laughs> after the fact. Um, if you're a hip hop fan, uh, there's the PBS special for Fight the Power that if, hopefully you have been able to check out, but it's still it's still running. Not yet, whole... not yet. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I got it taped, but I haven't uh, but I haven't actually watched it yet. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And then there was a, that also that uh, Schoolhouse Rocks uh, special that is actually on Disney Plus now. If you missed it, uh, the live uh, airing of it, so so you got some things to check out. Uh, but we still got another show to do before we go on Movie Protocol, um, and more Bad Batch, and more other things. So with that. Um, this has been the Combo Chronicles. I have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at Newsnurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Um, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PCN underscore Dirt on Twitter. PopCultureNet on Twitter. PopCultureNetwork.com and all the numbers like they're in and somewhere on Spotify with this music. Um, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, Twitter account, uh, The Click Nation, that's T-H-E-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, uh, TheClickNation.com, and of course, uh, Tim is over at ComicBook.com, where he's over there writing his face off. Um, Tim Adams, go check it, check it, go check out his work. Blam. 
Uh, you can find this here podcast on the Coastal of the Podcast Network, that's ESPN.us. Do it today! You can also find us on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. You can find us recording every Thursday night, normally 9.30-ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Click Nation's YouTube account. Uh, that's youtube.com slash the Click Nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. There you go. Hit that, hit that. Um, and that, folks, is the show for tonight. We'll Hopefully we'll have a better show and more complete show next week complete as in not in pieces ah! this has been the this has been the comic book comic book chronicles peace peace one and knowing is half the battle